0: Before we begin today's episode, I want to give a very special disclaimer. We are going to be discussing an upcoming film, The Callback, so this interview does contain some spoilers. It doesn't take away from the enjoyment of the film, but we do want you to be forewarned. And welcome to our podcast, Within the Mist, a hidden place where we walk into the dark and clouded unknown. I am your unemployed actor of a host, Gary, here to entertain and inform you about the likes of cryptids, ghosts, and ghost stories. I am joined by my wife and co-host, Goldie Ann, who is unable to attend this uh, episode, but she's here in spirit, literally. Today... We are joined by members of the film The Callback, Sarah Lynn and Nathaniel Lee. Sarah Lynn is an award-winning actor, director, and writer from Hartford, Connecticut. She studied acting in multiple schools and conservatories, including the Producers Club Theater under Raymond T. Williams in New York. Sarah uses her background in psychology, along with her acting training, to create interesting stories and portray multifaceted characters. Nathaniel Lee is an award-winning actor, director, and producer from Maine. Nathaniel studied multiple acting methods, including Stella Adler, Sanford Meisner, and Lee Strasberg at the Producers Club Theater under the tutelage of Raymond T. Williams. Nathan has hosted a popular YouTube channel, which he was able to expand into a production company. Although they have worked together on previous projects, The Callback film is Sarah and Nathaniel's first time co-directing. So welcome to the show, Sarah and Nathaniel of The Callback film.
1: Thank oh, you. Well, thank you,
0: Gary. It's very a lovely introduction. Yeah. Wow. I was very excited to do this interview, so I wanted to make sure I threw out all the bells and
1: whistles. (laughs) We appreciate it.
0: In fact, I couldn't wait to talk to you about your latest project, The Callback, but I thought I should share one fact with you that I used to have a friend who has gotten into trouble with a cult of mimes once. Whoa, cult of mimes? Yeah, they committed unspeakable acts of violence against
1: It took
2: her a second.
1: Wait, yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, man, that was good. That was a good that one.
1: Was good. I was like, oh, my goodness, tell me more.
0: <laughs> I can't. They didn't speak. Oh, boy.
1: <laughs>
0: Definitely. Well, I really appreciate you both coming uh, within the mist.
2: Well, it's absolutely our pleasure.
0: Now, you two have created a large collection of videos and video
2: shorts together. Now, how did the two of you meet? Hmm.
1: You wanna...
2: So we actually met in uh an acting school that we used to go to in uh New Haven, Connecticut mm-hmm. and I don't know, we just kind of clicked. Clicked? <laughs> Yeah. So we met back in, you, I don't want to butcher this. You go. I
1: I'm, I know the dates and the years and stuff. So we met in 2017 and we're just doing classes and becoming friends and stuff. And then we started dating in 2018. Mm-hmm. And the rest is history. Well, now we're, now uh, we're engaged.
2: engaged. So,
0: yeah. Oh, congratulations. Thank That's you. Great to hear. Yeah. yeah. What well, <laughs> brought up the idea of working on projects together?
1: Well, that's a good question.
2: I don't even know if we brought it up or it just sort of happened.
1: It kind of just naturally happened over the course of the relationship. Since we did meet in acting class, we had that foundation of we both like to play characters and be funny and silly. And so Well,
2: and two, with my production company, <laughs> um, I've always needed female talent. Um Well, and it helps that you're talented, beautiful and all that, Ah, which, you know, is awesome. But (laughs) yeah, sometimes a lot of times I needed talent in different videos and it worked out perfectly in that sense. And it kind of expanded from there. Okay.
0: well, now it's expanded into the callback film. Um, According to the synopsis, it's about an aspiring young actress, Sarah, who is asked to go to a callback meaning she has asked for a second audition for an acting role. Unfortunately, she finds out that the filmmakers intentions are darker than she ever anticipated. The tagline reads, the callback. Every actor is dying for one. Now the whole process of auditioning for a role must be terrifying enough, but when did you create the idea of ramping up this idea to a whole other horror level for this film?
1: Sure. So I actually started writing it um, in the middle of 2020, like when everything was shut down and we had so much free time. And as an actor, when you're on a more independent level, before you get an agent or a manager, you kind of hustle for yourself and go online to different forums and casting websites to find opportunities for yourself. And some of them are a little strange, like they'll take place in really strange places that seem sketchy. For me, thankfully, everything always turned out fine. But I always just had this underlying fear of what if these people are trying to traffic me or they're trying to kidnap me or this is all a ruse. Or
2: what if it's a snuff film? Yeah, what if it's a
1: snuff film? And so for the callback, I was kind of just thinking, why don't I explore that fear and really go for it and see where where the writing takes me? And that was kind of where the idea for the callback came from.
0: And during. Oh, and thank you for allowing us a sneak peek of the film ahead of time. Oh,
1: of course. Uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah. As I was watching it, I really noticed the looks on Sarah's face during the auditioning portion of the film. Mm-hmm. I'm taking it. You were drawing on some past experiences. Have you <laughs> both had uh, some situations that kind of reminded you of horror films?
1: Oh, certainly. Um, do you want to, I know you Well, There's
2: one coming doing. up in, in my experience first in my head here. Uh, it was so strange. It, I like Sarah was saying. You see, when before you get booked on at a certain level with managers and agents, you're out here doing their job essentially, sifting through casting calls uh, for your own submissions. On there's some great platforms like Backstage Actors Access, and I actually built my a portfolio from that of reputable work. But there for every 10 great projects there's like there's gonna be something in there that's a little
1: sifty yeah and,
2: and there's one in particular it was in jersey city so i went from new york to jersey and um i don't know it just felt like it was like a blackmail movie or something or a blackmail. it was like upon reflection it i should my gut was telling me no to the entire time but um I don't know it was just an awful experience uh they put me in i I don't want to get into too much details of it but that always stuck with me they 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 wanted my character to perform a I don't like a like a nasty scene in in a certain I don't know like a man handling of a woman sort of thing and uh and I didn't know any of these people and it was like at three in the morning like a warehouse and it was just it was really weird and they never paid me so uh i ended up missing the train from grand central to get back and, and i mean it was it was a horror story all in itself and yeah that that is just one and that i'm leaving out a lot of details purposely too so
1: yeah and in terms of auditioning itself sometimes you just get these directors or even casting directors, because typically that's who you audition for, who you can kind of tell that they're just power tripping because they're like, oh, you have to go through me if you want to get to the director and, and things like that. And I've even taken um, like acting workshops with casting directors, and it's it's a, such a weird dichotomy of you want to perform well, but you don't like how they're treating you. And so I think for that scene, it was kind of like finding that place where Jessica is, where she's like, I really want to speak my mind here. But I kind of can't because I'm trying to get this role or impress you. So it's a weird situation. Well,
2: it's a power dynamic. Yeah. And Dante has the power in that situation. And I like that you like that scene, Gary, because
1: we had fun filming that. Well,
2: that one was fun to direct, too. And like that to me was it's like the most watchable scene to me in the movie. I agree. I I agree. Because you guys
0: not only, you know, directed it and starred in it, but you also did the screenwriting and the production setup. So you this has been your project from start to finish. And in fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think I saw on Facebook that it's almost a year to the day now that you've been working on this film, hasn't it?
1: Exactly one year ago today, we had our first day of shooting
2: production. It's actually been a little more than a year, Gary, because we had to uh, we crowdfunded the film and we had to do preparation for that and uh, and not to include in the writing and the rewrite. So right. like, I bet you it's closer to like two years. Two
1: years. Yeah. yeah.
2: But it's been a one. It's our one year anniversary of our first day on set for shooting. Yeah. Well, then how
0: does it feel now to actually see the finished product?
1: It's surreal. I it's almost like I don't have a child at this moment, but I feel like it's like watching your your baby grow up and it's like, oh, look at you kind of thing.
2: Well, it's nice to like we met I don't just so the audience knows we met at spooky Empire in Orlando a few weeks ago. yeah, like yeah. probably
1: three weeks ago.
2: and that was the first time that we as the filmmakers watched an audience watch our film um
1: room full of strangers that was so something
2: watching their reactions to the movie was fun and uh nerve-wracking at the same time but Mm -hmm. you know um it's it's incredibly exciting to see like like what i am i'm curious we'll see what you think about it but uh the film itself so (laughs) i did not realize spooky empire was the first
0: uh presentation of the film in front of a, an audience. You have done some since then, correct?
1: Correct. So um, Spooky Empire, I actually believe might've been the second or third because we, Oh yeah. yeah. We couldn't attend um, one screening because oh. that weekend uh, we were in a wedding. So that happened out in Iowa at an event called Halloween of Palooza, mm-hmm. another genre based film festival. And we couldn't be there, but later that night, that our film screened, someone messaged me on Instagram and was like, Hey, I just saw the callback and great job. I really enjoyed it. And I was just like, Oh my goodness, that's so sweet of them to just take the time to get on Instagram and send me a, a message.
2: Right. And that person doesn't know you or anything. They didn't right. need to say that. So I always find that pretty cool and it's unprompted. Mm-hmm. Um, when someone. You- yeah. Your feedback at
0: Spooky Empire was so positive that they actually had you conduct a panel and a question and answer session after the film, which, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't even scheduled for. Correct?
2: Yeah, it was kind of impromptu. Uh, we were. I was so nervous. I, I got so like I can perform. You know, I, I've in front of audiences of hundreds, if not thousands, of people. I can perform on camera. But something about watching other people watch the thing that we did, it's like gut-wrenching. It was, and, yeah, it
1: was, that was strange. And yeah. I,
2: I didn't want to go up. I was like, they're, they're not going to want to ask us questions. And um, I forget who, who prompted us to. But... Somewhat.
1: He's a, a festival director of, I want to say, Gen Con. Gen Con. Yeah. Which is wow. another genre-based film festival. And we were talking with him because we kind of slipped out of the room because we were so tense and we needed to just breathe for a second. And he actually came outside with us and we were talking, and then we were like, "Should we do the Q and A? Should we do it?" And he was like, "You have to do it." And so I was like, "If it's coming from a festival director, we should probably just suck it up and and do it." And it was awesome.
0: Great, yeah, because you definitely got a positive review at, from the everything that happened at Spooky Empire. In fact, uh, a lot you've actually have an honorable mention as well at a another film festival. Correct.
1: Correct. That is Shockfest Film Festival, which is another one of the bigger horror genre film festivals. Yep. They do other um, genres besides horror, but they've been running for twelve years, and they've had really cool guests in the past, like Clive Barker and Eli Roth. So, really, um, I didn't know Eli Roth. Really. Yeah, oh, so oh very awesome cool. names within the horror community. So, that was awesome. The screen or the screenplay also was an honorable mention a year ago. And now for their festival this year, the film is an honorable mention. So it's just really awesome for them to see the progress from page to to screen.
2: It is exciting. And um, what is that?
1: that How many festivals? Oh, I don't know.
2: I don't know. At at
1: least four or five in between the screenplay itself winning awards and the film going to festivals as well.
2: It's really exciting to see how, how it unfolds. And I mean, it, like we said, Gary, it's been like a two-year process. And this is kind of what we envisioned. But it's one thing to envision something and, and then try to execute it and see it happen. It's it's really kind of surreal. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, speaking of surreal, so is your subject matter. I mean, in your latest project, the hero finds herself in the clutches of a satanic cult. What brought you to select that as your Uh, horror basis?
1: Sure. So that's a really good question. Right. My, my psychology background, um, along with the, one of the themes of this film, it's more of a subtle undertone, but I wanted it to metaphorically parallel sex trafficking and exploitation. And and kind of, again, going back into the idea of me exploring what would be the most horrific thing to happen in this scenario if it did go wrong, to me, it would be being in the clutches of a satanic cult and people who just don't really care about you and are using you for their their own gain, which ties into human trafficking because it's exploiting vulnerability
2: And didn't you also you left it out, but uh, it's important you worked with trafficked children in your past career.
1: I did before I completely shifted my focus to acting. I was a mental health worker in a group home for teenage girls. And one of the girls there was trafficked. And the stories she would tell me were just really, really upsetting. And to me, that's the real horror I guess, is that that kind of thing happens every day, all the time in the US and so many other countries. And it's such a pervasive problem. And I just wanted to bring that aspect into it. And so the satanic cult kind of became a conduit for, okay, these are the traffickers in the the metaphorical parallel.
0: Well, they also utilize many of the uh, methods of traffickers by pressuring you to do things that you didn't want to do by threatening those that you love. Correct, you exactly that in the film.
2: Mm-hmm. And there are moments too. It's 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 not just the human trafficking element, but it's also since we're we're actors as well in the trials and tribulations we face that we kind of touched upon earlier. The lay person's not going to be aware of that as an actor. When you think actor, you think like the Angelina Emmerich. Jolie or 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 Brad Pitt. But then there's so many hungry actors willing to put blinders on uh, two red flags in order to get that moment or that break. So it's like taking that callback or that audition, your biggest, the actor's biggest dream and turning it into their biggest nightmare.
0: And actually my wife and I were discussing just that subject. Cause she was like, well, why did she even go? I'm like, <laughs> babe, you don't understand. She was looking for her big break. I mean, right. a, lot of, a lot of actors and actresses, I mean, you you read about it all the time. They will do almost anything. They will perform in movies that they are ashamed of later on
1: just yeah. to get
0: that big break. So yeah, I could totally understand her. Yeah. Doing something that you know is wrong.
1: Right. Or you feel like you have a gut instinct where it's like, oh, this seems sketchy, but because like you said you want it so bad and you're hungry, you're willing to be like it's fine. Brush it off. It's okay. And then
2: And there's probably so many stories that the public doesn't even know about um of famous actors or anybody who tried to make it. To, uh, like the skeletons in said closet, if mm-hmm. you will. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, I did want to also touch on uh, Mike. Is it pronounced Greca,
1: Greca, Greca,
0: Greca? Mike Greca as Dante was an excellent choice because uh, he has those piercing eyes that I mean, they will attract your attention, and mm-hmm. I think that's that's the requirement of a cult leader. You have to have that look,
1: and he does. He we kept telling him on set. I was I forget the the guy's name who I think he was the head of like the. Church of Satan or whatever it was called, but Anton Levey, or I might be butchering his name, but he looked like him in his getup and with the necklace and the black sweater.
2: Well, Mike, Mike is such a talented artist. Um, not just actor, but he helped in a, in a way, give some feedback on the script. He's written so many award-winning scripts himself. And we, we came up with him at the same school in new Haven. Mm-hmm. And, When you were writing it, right, it was like that's who there wasn't even it wasn't even an option.
1: When I was writing it, I was like, Mike is Dante. And I I really hope he says yes, because that's all I'm picturing in my head as I'm writing it. And fortunately, he did say yes. And he helped develop the script and give me ideas of like, well, what if there was a scene like this and different, really awesome feedback that we ended up using? And I think it made the film that much stronger.
2: I think he steals the show. Mm -hmm. Personally. He does have a very imposing presence in it
1: that's a great way uh, to and, it. and
2: it's funny yeah. you brought his eyes up because on our um impromptu panel panel for q a we did have one person say oh, was dante's eyes were those contacts <laughs> yeah <laughs> but there's realized so
0: well what was the selection process for a cast for a horror film about casting a film like
1: <laughs>
2: that's pretty meta right uh, yeah
1: yeah well, so... I knew that we were going to be Jessica and Samuel. And then
2: Dante. <laughs>
1: and then we knew that Mike would be Dante. So it was filling in the the other three roles. And kind of just... For me, I always feel like it's scarier when someone looks completely normal. But behind closed doors, they're not. Like, they're inexplicably evil. And so with the cult members... They're kind of just everyday-looking people. Like, I, I mean, Dante is, I think, the one exception. He he looks menacing, but everyone else, it was just like, oh yeah, they look simple, like a normal person. But
2: well, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the casting process of Abigail uh, Misty Eastler, mm-hmm. uh, as the actor, and she, Abigail, was a tough one for us to cast because we were like, it was a it was an open call. There was a bunch of different ways we could go with it we contacted open calls on on the, the sites we talked about like actors access and stuff like that and then eventually one of our uh colleagues she was our manager she has a, a roster of talent and she's like hey i have a i have a couple people i want to th- send to you and we conducted everything virtually so we got like a round of uh initial self-tapes, self-tapes. and we're like "Ooh, okay let's have a callback for the for movie the callback, for callback for uh abby or or misty and mm-hmm. she was just as soon as we got to work with her like on a live we did a zoom like this yeah we had our we knew it and, and she would just take direction very well and and it, it was awesome
1: she's the sweetest person she's so nice
2: yeah misty's great and until she turns on you
1: until she turns on me <laughs> and everything goes to hell yeah right literally. right <laughs> so yeah it
2: it was quite the uh you know but it was our first film we ever did too i mean we've done like uh how do you how do you want to say like exercises before where you would the short film like a like a way shorter film and obviously our youtube channel and all the experience we had to hark hark back on from the commercials we've produced and all the videos that we've produced through the co- like the company, which I don't know how many first-time filmmakers have that experience to fall back on. So shaping the production around everyone's schedules and just all these variables to to work in and consider to be able to film it. I mean, it was wild, but we we made it work. So mm-hmm.
0: okay.
2: Now, Sarah,
0: your biography mentions that you were taking acting classes during your attendance at University of Connecticut, but you were also studying psychology. How would you say your education in studying the mind works with creating psychological dramas in a project like The Callback?
1: I I feel like it just naturally goes hand in hand because when you're acting or creating a world that you're writing – the, every every person is a person, and we all carry our own psychology with us, our own experiences that color our perspectives on the world. And that's stuff that I think is fun to, to write on and to create characters and just think about, well, what happened to Jessica when she was a child? And what was her life like? And do, do her parents support her dream or do they not? Because that makes a big difference in how an actor would pursue their passion um so i think that they go hand in hand because to play a character i think you just you have to know their psychology and
2: sorry to interrupt but when you perform as a character it's really a case study a living case study of that said individual and that requires psychological well if you're doing it right um if if you're if you're preparing as an actor correctly uh you you delve into these psychological things and uh you know i think i don't want to speak for you but wouldn't that help your uh like your process to also have your psychology background too
1: definitely yeah, yeah.
2: well psychologically
0: we also got to see nathan's character pretty much through this whole arc of upbeat oh. cheerful almost too cheerful of a guy and then <laughs> to the end of the film yeah you got to see the whole arc of basically how to destroy someone
1: right yeah
2: yeah and that was i'm glad you picked that up on like the almost too uh, tearful, because that was that was uh intended on both our parts to make Mm -hmm. everything like warm and fuzzy in the in the uh first i guess you could say two acts
1: yeah
2: Yeah, and then obviously things changed. yeah
1: and i love the we got some reactions during our screening at spooky empire that it was just like, Oh good. Like the audience laughed when, um when the shite hits the fan in the audition and the Jessica gets taken. And then it cuts to Samuel. He's just doing work at home. The audience kind of laughed and it was almost like a nervous laughter, but it was, I wanted that juxtaposition of, something really horrible. And then, but in his world, everything is fine. As far as he knows, just cause on her callback and it's fine. So it's like those two things were existing at the same time.
0: Yeah. Everything was cookies and sweets, right?
1: Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, this
0: project, it probably required a bit of research, not only in uh, trafficking, but also into the background of cults. Uh, What kind of work did you guys do in that?
1: I did a little bit of research on um, I, on there was there's a cult that it's a, a really awful well, it's a good documentary, but the subject matter is really awful. Um, it was on the Nexium cult. okay if you've heard of that, um, yes. that was just such a crazy case of this guy, I forget his name, but he basically had a sex ring of women. Who he would blackmail into having sex with him and sending him pictures and all of this stuff, but and he would brand them, like physically brand them. And I kind of just watched that to understand the mindset of who becomes a victim of a cult and the people outside of it kind of trying to be like, hey, no, like look at the light, like you're you're into some bad stuff. Um, So I watched that I did a little bit of research into the satanic temple um, just to see like what they're what that was all about. And I watched some videos of people who were in it talking about their experience.
0: I was just saying that it's interesting that you brought up the Nexium because of its connection to uh, Alison Mack, a a famous actress who basically is, you know, an actress. Well, you know, well credits. And then she falls into this cult following as well.
1: Yeah, and was coercing other women to do all this crazy stuff,
2: almost like Abigail, uh, in that sense, and uh, just Lane Maxwell in real, in another kind of parallel in real life. But Mm -hmm. you know, to piggyback off what you were saying, Sarah, I think that the people who join a cult and can be swayed are broken people in in one sense or the other, yeah. So I think that plays played a played a part in this, too. I
0: agree. You definitely can see that, especially in, in the, the family like bonding of the group. hmm. Now, the 1960s and 70s was a heyday of satanic cult films such as Rosemary's Baby and The Omen. Then the 1980s had the satanic panic in which conspiracy theorists were convinced that everything was a threat and was enticing people into satanism. After that, the subject quieted down. Do you think now is the time to bring the subject of satanic cults back to films like it does in The Callback?
1: I think it has been for a while. Like I feel something I felt within the horror genre in the past few years is that we see a lot of um, cult or occult films like House of the Devil, Satanic Panic. There's a movie called Satanic Panic, which is more of a horror comedy. Um, so I feel like that's kind of in the zeitgeist right now is just cult stuff. And I think it's fascinating and I always think it's a good time for for that kind right. of exploration.
2: <laughs> well, I always think too like it, it feels more grounded and more based in reality of a real horror. In that sense, like a real life horror that could parallel the audience. Like, oh my gosh, I could see why this girl is going there to this callback, or uh they can relate to the, the these things a little bit more than maybe something that is a little bit paranormal or of a different realm, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, to me personally, that scares me a lot more but i also i love the conjuring and stuff like that so yeah i mean you can't beat that sometimes well nathan you have
0: a successful youtube channel and we're able to turn that into a successful production company now i personally watched a lot of your videos (laughs) and i have to say they are hilarious
1: (laughs) how difficult is
0: it to switch between comedy and horror
2: well, I have this book I read sometimes and it talks about directors or I guess I can i only bring up directors because it parallels with the question. But certain directors like Spike Lee or Spike Jones uh, have this capability to ebb and flow between different genres, uh, like a narrative film, narrative film and commercial world. And, and, and I don't I, I don't know how to explain it. Um it's just something I I do. Uh, I don't want to. I want to be humble, uh, but the, it, I don't know. A lot of people have a hard time with comedy, um, and that's something I've. That was my. That's like the backbone of what I do.
1: He was class clown in high school. <laughs> I am so <laughs> shocked.
2: <laughs> but I think horror always has an element of humor in it. Um, you know, and I also think that. Ideas or people who take themselves too seriously sometimes. It's not as is. I don't know. There's something about it. I'm like, oh, it's just way too serious. Like, there's got to be a moment to cut said tension with a normal conversation in a film. Like, in the opening scene in the callback, Samuel and Jessica are talking like a normal couple, and mm-hmm. there's a little bit of humor, a little bit of humor in there, um, to make it more relatable and you know, most people aren't going to talk all dramatic all the time. So Um, I don't know if that answers the question.
0: (laughs) No, it does. Because uh, one uh, director once told me that the difference between comedy and horror is is that both have a surprise. In a comedy, the surprise makes you laugh and, you know, express that kind of a joy. The Mm -hmm. surprise in a horror movie makes you gasp and you know, kind of uh, takes you into a shock. So it's that surprise element in both of them that I guess you strive for. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. I just feel like I, I, it's a creative outlet for me too to do those kind of shorter form contents. Um, And one day we'd love to be able to get a horror comedy or something where we can
1: unite the two together, unite
2: the two. Yeah. But, but, but still make it scary. It needs to be scary, Um, and you know. Anyways, (laughs) well,
0: you are both co-directors on this production, and for the first time together, how was it to share the authority and the responsibility?
2: It was awful.
1: No, I'm I'm just kidding. I'm (laughs) just kidding. (laughs) It was. I feel like it. It flowed very well. Um, When we when it did come time to prepare for production, I kind of just jotted down director's notes of what I was thinking. And then we went over that together because it was important for us to do that. Since when I'm on camera, I can't direct myself. That's, you know, he had to do that and then vice versa. And so I think that we worked pretty synchronistically in that sense.
2: Yeah. Well, you coming to me with your vision, um, obviously I read it a bunch of times, um, being able to understand what you were looking for allowed me to kind of run with that, especially on those larger, more complex scenes, uh, like the, like the room, the offering room and, uh, blocking the talent, right. Uh, and choreographing that, um, their movements and working with the actors and, to, to align with your vision. Um, I thought it went really cool. And honestly, I think it b- brought our relationship even closer.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: good. So you have to be understanding that when you're taking direction, that it's for the betterment of the film, it's not meant anything personal.
1: Exactly. Correct. Exactly. And then that, thankfully, I feel like we both did a really good job. And I think the way that you talk to actors is so important when you're directing, because for the most part, actors are sensitive people and we just want to do a good job.
2: I'm offended and, you said that.
1: Ew. <laughs> and so you have to know how to talk to them and get them to that place. And it's not like, oh, you suck. You're doing it wrong. It's just, you know, trying to come together to to figure it out as a unit. And I think we we both did a good job doing that with each other and the other cast as well. Well, and
2: luckily we were, we were obviously blessed with such talented act- actors too, who who get it, you know, and, and that's such a big thing. Um, you know, I think of Misty and, and, and Mike and, um, obviously Kyle and Chris did well in their roles too, but Misty and Dante, uh, Abby and Dante in particular, like, I don't know. It's like, I guess the analogy I would give is if you're like a, a professional coach in a sport. It's like how much coaching do you need to do when they're the best players in the world? Or you know what I mean? Like when they're okay. at said level. So when you're dealing with a professional, they can take your critiques too. And mm-hmm. uh they understand, like you said, like the tone. So hey, I like that tone, but there's there's word like one thing about directing is you don't ever want to fall in like a hey, can you mimic what exactly what I'm how I do it?
1: Say the line like this
2: that's something why my commercial acting career I get a lot as an actor they're like oh do it like did it da," and it's like how about give me a, a word like a specific word like instead of like you're angry it would be like you want to destroy this person's life with your words instead of like well there's so many different levels of angry or sad or whatever and uh so, so finding the, that that exact way of phrasing something. It was, especially with actors. I think it's very important.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So
0: kind of the feedback that Jessica was looking for, but not getting,
2: ah! but didn't get. Yeah. Well, that was intentional, right? That was yeah. intentional. Yeah. yeah. I, I was knew. just
1: like, what would piss me off in that moment in real life? And then I just like wrote we're, we're, it out. <laughs> I need more. Uh... Now I need less.
0: All right. So you wanted my feedback on the film. Oh, uh, boy. yeah. I've watched it three times now.
1: Oh wow. Well,
0: because I wanted to have a very good working knowledge of everything in it. Um, sure. I felt I felt like screaming at Jessica because I mean, like I said, I don't I, I understand the the need, the drive to be a successful actress, so I can see why she did it. But yeah, the way Samuel was saying, you know, it how sketchy it was, why it was there, I was like, I cannot believe that you're going. I, can't, I just wanted to scream at her to you know, turn the car around in the room. It was like, you know, you're going into. The, and plus, I knew it was a horror movie. So, of course. Yeah. Well, you know, it was going bad. Um, so I felt very bad that I could not stop Jessica. And then, you know, when she got there, then, you know, with uh, uh, Abigail getting there, then I was like, OK, where is she tying into this? Because, yeah, she's incredibly innocent and everything like that. So you don't pretty much in horror movies you always look for the final girl
1: sure yeah
0: so i i honestly when i watched it i was picking out okay which one which one final
1: girl (laughs) that's cool
0: so yeah i was trying to decide which one of you was going to go and which one's going to be the final girl and then yeah the the twist that you came up with worked out very well and yeah I felt so I mean cuz yeah if it had been me I would have been right there with Samuel uh you know b- empty bottles all over the room. <laughs> yeah. I would have been I would have been right there beside you. And yeah the final you know receiving the note and everything that was very heart wrenching. You kind of hope that it would have worked out for the best, you know that you know when he he called for help and help would have got there just in time but mm-hmm. uh uh it was uh it was pretty bleak. You knew where it was going but you kept hoping that someone was going to get it to knock the train off the rails and save the day. Yeah.
1: And that was purposeful. I for oh, this yeah. I wanted it to be a bleak ending because of the metaphorical parallel of the sex trafficking. That's there's always some trauma there. You know, like even if they're rescued, that's a whole person you have to rebuild now and have them trust people again and get them adjusted to life after all of that trauma. And sometimes there it's unresolved, you know, people's kids go missing all the time and then they never know where they are ever again. And so I wanted kind of just that gut punch of an ending just to leave people with that.
0: Yeah. I always uh, remark to my wife, I hate horror movies because they always have a bad, uh, an unhappy ending.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So just to let you know, I hate your movie.
1: <laughs> well, uh... I'll take that as a compliment.
0: It's only as a compliment. You know, I'm 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 a Disney child. You know, I, I like the happily ever after. So, yeah, when a horror movie comes on, I know that that's not happening.
1: That's not happening. You got to turn on something afterwards to pick yourself up out of the, the funk. So. What
2: did you think of... We always ask this question. Um, who do you think delivered that that letter to Samuel?
0: I also had this discussion with my wife. I really was wondering if it was Jessica. Because I always, you know, because, you know, all that that was going on and her being so hungry for films and everything else uh, made her very vulnerable for, you know, having brainwashing. Mm-hmm. So honestly, when there was a knock at the door, I was really expecting it to be Jessica dressed Like, you know, as a member of the cult. So I, yeah. And, you know, the necklace being dropped off, it would have been a, her way of saying, look, I'm gone. That part of my life is over. I am, I'm gone.
2: Hmm. That's
1: interesting. That's the second time that I've heard that, that they were expecting Jessica to be at the door.
2: Yeah, Hmm. no, I've heard that multiple times. That's, I always like it's kind of an open ended ending up to your uh interpretation. And that's
1: fun. That's fun.
2: Cuz some people were saying Dante, others were saying um the smaller characters like the like the one of the camera operators in the film like doing the grunt work. Well, uh, I'm, I wouldn't have trusted the camera operator. He, he he's
0: not the uh I don't think he has his union card. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly,
2: exactly. So um you know what one thing too we worked with such a talented team behind the scenes too uh, to create the score and mm-hmm. to that room was actually our garage like <laughs> and we had yeah. we got a set designer who's worked on the sci-fi channel and chiller mm-hmm. and she's just so incredibly talented and yeah just made that room and that set and it was awesome it it definitely is mhm so, yeah, that was basically my
0: impression of it. I, I definitely want, I, like you said, it's open-ended, so I could definitely see more coming out of the story. Uh, definitely would like to see Samuel, you know, follow up on that and try and track down. Um, there was a movie, oh, Nicolas Cage, 8mm.
1: Hey, I haven't seen that, but I really I want to. Because
0: that would be a great follow-up to this. Mm-hmm. this type of thing because you know he's investigating a film of a girl being murdered and so he's right. trying to shut down i definitely could see that samuel being that that kind of a person
2: if, mm-hmm. if they sober long enough to uh to do well, it well i think it's also now that he he's broken now too yeah. so i think well anyways i don't want to get ahead of ourselves because <laughs> I know you want to ask but well, I know you have other questions too. Well, no, uh, what I wanted to ask is exactly that.
0: Um, both of you have been busy right, wrapping up the production on the callback. So what else is in the future for both of you?
1: So currently actually I'm working on adapting the short into a feature. So that I'm is being done very carefully and just because there's so many different routes you can go. And we've asked people like their feedback after the film too. And we hear some similar things and some different things. So it's for me, it's about figuring out what I would think would be interesting and staying true to, I guess the underlying themes of the story and figuring out how to bring it together and focus it to expand it and do it justice.
2: Well, I think that there's so much there. Um, we've done focus groups uh audiences they're like we want sam to go shoot up the place now we want uh <laughs> you know this or that and and what's important is that they want more mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i find that the story the the short 26 minutes long you know it's quick it's pacey and mm-hmm there isn't there's sure there's some character development it's limited obviously for, to the to, to the the length frame. but i think that we could delve into what like what makes a broken person or or you know a lot anyways like the point is the script is in development right now for the feature um while that's going on we're seeking distribution for uh getting because we still have like we mentioned earlier a couple festivals to uh continue in um shock fest in december and then we're waiting to hear back from some more
1: at the beginning of next year we should know
2: so. um so once that f- our festival circuit is completed we are then going to we're like our biggest vision of this is to have it on shutter um, oh great and you know shutter does have a a, a shorts section specifically for short Mm -hmm. films which i don't see why we couldn't do that to be quite honest um yeah that's been our goal from the from the day one with it Mm -hmm. and from there take it to the adaptation of the of the feature that's great
0: yeah my uh Wife was asking me, why do people such as yourselves attend these film festivals? And I explained to her, this is where they gain the attention. So this is like them showing their work to the public and to producers and other individuals so they can develop it. They can, you know, make it better or make it uh, larger scale. Mm-hmm. And she goes, oh, that makes sense. So, yeah, it's great that you guys are doing these film festivals and actually doing so well at them. That's great.
1: It's really cool.
2: It really is. I mean, there's so many, so much work that went into it. Like I always say, and it's such a benefit. It's just like, I always say that we have a team and like the behind the scenes people. It's, it's real. Like the amount of work. It's like, if we think of Dante, Sarah, me and all these actors who are great. Well, the director of photography is my brother. It was Ben who filmed it. Uh, then we have our set designers and just everybody wardrobe and costume and even our producers who are like scuttling people to and from the parking lot and stuff like everybody was on point. And I think that helped this production. And for sure. I really I don't know. I'm about visions and stuff and and seeing things and and I I see the future happening. So Mm -hmm. Um, it's 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 really exciting.
1: It is exciting.
2: Would well, you have any final words for our listeners? Well, if you want to uh, see the progress of not just the short and where that happens in the festival circuit, but also behind the scenes stuff and mm-hmm. what like the uh, growth Trajectory. of Yeah. The growth of said script into the feature version. Uh, they can check us out at, at the callback film on Every social media platform.
1: And www.thecallbackfilm.com. www. Yeah. Just to be official, I added in the World Wide Web.
0: (laughs) Well, all links will be available in the show notes. So for further information about The Callback Film, there's a Facebook page and Instagram, plus the website, as Sarah mentioned, www.thecallbackfilm.com. Sarah and Nate also have a YouTube channel with many entertaining shorts and videos at Sarah Nate. All one word. Okay.
2: Did you see the most recent short about the Marvel family?
0: Yes. I love the, yeah, the little boy. And yeah, you've lost <laughs> your endpoint uh, privileges. This is
1: villains. Yeah.
0: <laughs> to be honest, I, I laughed at the, uh, the different versions of uh, Clubbers.
1: I oh guess, yeah, because we
0: the, see some of Sarah's dancing background in that.
1: Yeah, I love dancing. I danced when I was little, and I currently I'm a Zumba instructor, and I take belly dance classes. So I, I just love getting the chance to move any anytime I can. When I when we made that one, I was hot off the heels of my best friend's bachelorette party, and so we had gone out, and I was just kind of people watching as I was enjoying the evening. And I'm like, there are so many different types that go to the club. And I was like, that's a perfect little, little sketch.
0: Well, I think it's time for us to make our way out of the mist and perhaps catch another viewing of the callback. I want to thank both Sarah and Nathan for their time telling us about the callback film and we wish them the best of success. We hope you are as excited to watch the callback film as we were watching it and we'll come again for another episode until then check out that house in the woods a little closer when you get invited for a movie audition and remain constantly curious. Goodbye, everyone.